0: If you please turn your Bibles to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, it's the very last book of the Bible. It's very easy to find. Revelation chapter 2 is where we're going to start today. We're doing a series here at Thrive. It is called The Art of Healthy Relating. And this series is all about relationships, how to have healthier relationships with one another. And see, you might be wondering, why are we doing a series called The Art of Healthy Relating? It's because during this pandemic, you're going to find, nationwide that it's not just people who are getting sick and in some cases dying, but people's relationships during the pandemic have been getting sick. And in some cases dying, there was a recent stat that found that since the pandemic began, approximately 5 million Canadians have reported going through some kind of breakup of some sort since the pandemic began. That's a lot of breakups and see here at Thrive Church, we want to see you not just physically healthy. We want you to see you relationally healthy, spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy, and that's why we're doing a series called The Art of Healthy Relating, where we're looking at different keys to experiencing a new horizon in your relationships. And we talk a lot about marriage during this series, but how I many you know this is not a marriage series? It's not just about marriage. It's really for every person who wants to have healthy relationships with the people in your home, maybe the people you work with, your friends, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, and so we hope you find this series helpful. And you we know, today, I have the pleasure and the honor of bringing you the next episode of the series called The Art of Healthy Relating. And so let's get into it right here, right now. See, last Sunday, Pastor Charlene, she shared a powerful message about the importance of keeping love alive. The idea that what do you do when there's been hurt in your relationship? What do you do when there's been trust that's been broken in the relationship? What do you do? How do you move forward from there? If you missed that episode, if you missed that powerful message, you got to check that out. Go to our YouTube page, go to our Thrive Church Vancouver podcast and check that out. But today, I've got the honor of bringing to you another message today that's talking about another challenge. That many of us face when it comes to our relationships. And that is this how do you take a relationship that feels old and make it new again? How do you do that? You know, what do you do with a relationship that once felt so hot but now feels so cold? That once felt so fresh but now feels so familiar? That once felt so new but now feels so old? That once felt so exciting but now feels kind of boring? and stale and uninteresting. See, this message is called The Importance of Refreshing Your Relationships. See, today we're gonna learn how to refresh our relationships. My younger son, Caleb, he loves watching this one cartoon. I'd, I'd never even heard about it prior to maybe three months ago. It's called Harry and His Bucket of Dinosaurs. And you know what we do is in our car. You know, I, you know I, we have a DVD player, praise God, for 16-year-old minivans. We've got you know a, a DVD player in there, and so while I'm driving him home, he'll be watching Harry and His Bucket of Dinosaurs. And he he, he for Caleb, there is one episode of Harry and His Bucket of Dinosaurs that he insists on watching. Over and over and over again every single day. He'll be also, what episode do you want to watch? Caleb? can I watch the one about the robot? He always wants the one about the robot. He never gets tired of it. I'm like are you sure you don't want something else? He's like no I love that one. He always says I love that one. I love it. And so we always watch that one. And for me I'm like you know I, I, I could use maybe a new episode. He's like you know I love it. He wants to watch it over and over. It makes me think about our relationships in this way. Is that why is it that for some people they get tired? of their relationships, whereas others seem to stay in love for the longest time they stay in love all their lives. Why is that? You know, do you ever find that? Maybe you find that, you know, you see your own relationship and you look, man, like sometimes I get tired so easily. I get bored so easily. But this couple, they're just always in love and they're so lovey-dovey with one another after all these years. Why is that? Well, I want to put it today that when you see someone who's lovey-dovey all the time, it's probably an illusion. Because even the most in-love couples will go through times when things feel stale. And see, it's not something where it's a question of, oh, am I one of the lucky ones who never has a stale relationship feeling? No, the fact is it happens to all of us. The question is not, not if it'll happen. The question is what will you do when it happens? And see, many people, when the relationship starts to feel stale, old, familiar, boring, they treat it as a signal to bail. They treat it as a signal to say, you know, I guess it's just time to move on. I guess we're just not meant to be. I guess we just don't really love each other after all. And assuming that love is maybe nothing more than a feeling, they go on to that next new shiny thing, whether it's a new boyfriend, new girlfriend, you know, a new friend of some sort. And they're really happy for a time until that next new friend, that next new shiny friend, doesn't seem so next and new and shiny anymore. And they're back to square one and the cycle continues. And that cycle isn't built on love. That is something called lust. That's something called selfishness. That's something called immaturity. And see, here's the thing. is, is God is not so much concerned about your comfort as he's concerned about your character. He wants to make you the best lover of people that you can be. And part of making you into that kind of lover of people is sometimes going through uncomfortable situations. Now don't get me wrong. God's expectation of you and me is not that when things grow stale in a relationship that we just forget about how we feel and we just endure through the drudgery of our duty and we just plow through as if our feelings don't matter and we say things like, oh, since I said I do, I guess I will, and you know, we just kind of go on as if what we feel doesn't really matter. No, see, God gives us a different approach when our relationships start to feel stale, which is this, you treat your problem as an opportunity. Your your problem is not an opportunity to bail, it's an opportunity to grow. Your problem is not a chance to move on, but it's a chance to mature. It's a chance for a deeper, stronger, more mature love to take root in your relationship to replace what was there before. See, when things grow old in a relationship, God wants to give us the power to renew and refresh our relationships. Now, how do you do that? How does that work practically? That's what we're talking about today in the importance of Refreshing your relationships. See, we've all done this before. Say you're online on your phone, on your computer. You're loading something that you're you know trying to get on the internet, and you're just waiting for that page to load, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're like, you know, that that bar is just kind of inching its way across the screen, and you're like, oh my goodness, how much longer am I going to wait? What do we do? We often, a lot of us, what we do, we press a button. It's called the refresh button it's the refresh button. And don't you wish there was a refresh button on your relationships? That whenever things seem stuck, you just press that button and woo, brand new marriage or you know, brand new child or brand new spouse or brand new me. Don't you wish that would be the case? Do you ever wish for a refresh button? Unfortunately, it's not that simple. But the great thing is this is that the Bible, the word of God, gives us some powerful lessons on how to refresh our relationships. And we're going to learn these lessons today from other than the one who's the greatest at relationships. His name is Jesus Christ. And so let's look at it today. We're going to look at Revelation chapter two. Now you might think, oh, Revelation, Revelation, isn't that the book about like the end of the world, the end times and Jesus coming again and all these crazy pictures and visions. Yes, that's the book. But I'm going to put it to you today that Revelation chapter two has a powerful principle on relationships that you need to know if you want to experience the power of refreshing your relationship. See, in Revelation chapter two, you've got Jesus speaking to different churches in different parts of the world. And in Revelation chapter two, verse two, he's talking to a church that's located in a place called Ephesus, Ephesus. And this is what he says. You can read it with me today. What does he say? He says, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not and have found them false. You've persevered and you've endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. See what's going on here. See, on one hand, Jesus, he is commending and praising this church in Ephesus for sticking it out during tough times, that they've gone through some tough times, but they haven't given up. They've gone through some tough times, but they persevered. They've gone through some tough times, but they've stuck together and endured it all because love always protects, always hopes, always perseveres. And so they've stuck it together, but he's got also a warning for his church. After saying to the people in Ephesus, hey, that is awesome that you've stuck together. He has a warning for them in verse four. What does he say? He says, go back to verse four says, you have abandoned the love you had at first. In other words, he's saying, hey, guys, you've lost your first love. The passion that you once had in this relationship is now quite gone. And, and what once was hot was now, has now grown cold. What, what once felt so new has now feels so old. What once was fresh now feels familiar. What once was exciting is now stale. And he's like, if you don't want to lose this completely, then you need to do something in verse five. It says, you need to Repent is that you have to realize what's going on and agree with me that something needs to change. That's what it means to repent. And he says, do the things you did at first. Now understand that Revelation 2 is Jesus talking to this church in Ephesus about his relationship with them. It's a vertical relationship between us and God or between that church and God. But I believe this, is that if you apply the same principles Jesus speaks of in Revelation 2 to your own relationships with people, it has the power to refresh your relationships with them as well. See, what does Jesus mean by do the things you did at first? See, I was gonna submit to you today that if you wanna refresh a relationship that's gone stale, there are four things that you need to do that you used to do things that you did at first that you need to commit to doing again if you want to see that relationship refresh. And so I want to end today by talking about four ways to refresh an old relationship. These are four ways that you can help make an old stale relationship feel new and fresh again. Are you guys ready? Let's get into it right now. Hope you take some good notes today. Number one, appreciate and celebrate your loved one often appreciate and celebrate your loved one often. I want you to think about a relationship in your life today that's gone cold. It used to be so new, it's now so old. It used to be so fresh, it's now so familiar and a bit uninteresting to you right now. I want you to think about the time when you guys first hit it off. The time when maybe you first started getting to know each other. The time when you were first maybe falling in love with one another. See, what happened back then? Back then, when you were just hitting it off, you focused on all the things you love about that person. Oh, this person's such an angel. Oh, this person's so good looking. Oh, this person's so sweet and sensitive and thoughtful. Oh, this person makes me laugh. He's so funny. We just talk, talk about and think about all the things we love about that person, even to the point of ignoring, neglecting, and even turning a blind eye to their faults, their flaws, and their weaknesses. That's what we did when we first met. And see, also back then you made time for that person. Is that if ever that person wanted to meet up, you are right there and you're like 30 minutes early. Because you just so wanted to spend time with them. But what happens after a while when you've been with someone long enough is you start to take them for granted. And what happens is instead of focusing on them or in focusing on the relationship, you become consumed by the other things going on in your life. You get consumed with work. You get consumed with other people, maybe people that you're taking care of. And not just that, not only do we get consumed by our busyness and we take the person for granted, but we also, believe it or not, have this tendency to focus on the negative sometimes. In fact, you know, neurologists say that the emotional center of our brain, it's called the amygdala, is hypersensitive to negative news. The amygdala is the emotional center of our brain that kind of manages the fight or flight response in us. And it's especially sensitive to negative info, stuff that we're, oh, watch out for this. Oh, be worried about this. And see, that's why 10 people can say 10 great, awesome things about you. And one person can say one negative thing about you. And guess which one you're going to focus on? You're going to focus on the negative word. And see, it's because our amygdala causes us to be focused on the negative. And see, here's the thing. The longer we're with our loved one, The more negative things we notice and the more negative things we focus on, and this in turn affects the way we look at the person, this in turn affects the way we treat the person, it ends up souring the relationship. And that's how a relationship that was so hot becomes so cold. And see, that's why it is so important to go out of your way to appreciate and celebrate one another. See, in the 10 years that uh, have, have gone by since uh, roughly about 2010 or so, so maybe just over ten years, uh, 10 years ago, researchers from Harvard University and other schools have invested a lot of time and resources examining how appreciating one another affects our relationships. And studies have found that when you go out of your way to express appreciation to your loved one, it has a few awesome benefits. One is that you counteract the negative impact of getting into conflict and arguments Another one is that when you express appreciation to the other person, you produce feel-good chemicals like dopamine and serotonin in your body. Those chemicals get released such that your mood improves, your stress level goes down, you feel more hopeful about the future and about the relationship. In fact, study after study have shown that couples who often express appreciation to one other tend to have happier, healthier, longer-lasting relationships, and they tend to be less prone to breaking up. See, that's the power of appreciating one another. Philippians four, eight, says it this way. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. See, long before psychologists and Harvard Universe were talking about the importance of appreciating one another and focusing on the good in your relationships, 2,000 years ago, the Bible has been talking about on the importance of appreciating and celebrating the good. Amen. And see, appreciating and celebrating your loved one isn't just about big events and big parties and spending a whole bunch of money on birthdays and anniversaries and all that stuff. It's about the little things you do every day. See, I can say this, after 19 years of being married to Pastor Charlene. Charlene and I, we still have a lot to learn about how to love one another well. But one thing that I think has really helped us stay close emotionally to one another through these 19 years of marriage is that we both really try to be each other's biggest fan. And the, the idea is that, you know, we practically speaking, we try to say thank you to each other often and text it quite often. You know, being quick to speak an encouraging word when we notice them doing something good. You know, giving each other a kiss, you know, before one of us leaves the house. Saying, I love you from time to time before we get off the phone. When I'm at a restaurant or in a bakery, I'm like, hey, sure, I would like this. And I might just get that, and it might not cost a lot, but it's that little gesture of just saying, I appreciate you, and I'm celebrating you today. Maybe we'll take a selfie together before one of us leaves the house. It's these little things that we do that I think help us say, I'm your biggest fan and I appreciate you and I don't take you for granted. In fact, nowadays, Charlene and I, we rarely feel the need to do things that are big for say Valentine's day or our anniversary, that kind of thing. Because one reason I think is it's not because we're cheap. Uh, it's because it's that every day we're celebrating one another. Every day we're appreciating one another. And this is what I find when I engage in these little things to appreciate Shar is that not only is Pastor Shar blessed, but I find even more that when I speak that thankful word, when I you know, get that little thing, I find that it's my own heart that starts to soften, is that my own heart starts to melt, and, and it starts to be soft toward the relationship again. That's the funny thing about how a human heart softens, that it's, it's not just, our hearts don't just soften when we, when we receive love. Our hearts soften when we give love. Amen. And see, for example, when, when we're here at Thrive Church Online and we're singing our songs to God, do you guys know why we sing these songs? It's because we love to sing. It's not so much that the number one reason why we sing songs to God is because God is worthy of our praise that God is worthy. And the Bible says, sing to him. And so that's what we do. But there's another reason why we do it. God is being, God is being worthy. That's the number one reason. But let me tell you another reason why we sing and why the Bible commands us to sing to him. It's because as we go out of our way to worship God, as we go out of to humble ourselves and open up our hearts, as we choose to spend time appreciating and celebrating our God, something happens in us. Our hearts get soft and the relationship gets refreshed. Amen. So whether it's speaking a thankful word or a physical touch or a kind act of service or spending just some quality time or getting a little gift that doesn't cost very much, it's these little things that we do and say to one another that show, I appreciate you. I cherish you. I don't take you for granted. I'm your biggest fan, and I'm still your biggest fan. Here's a question for you today. How often do you take time each day to appreciate and celebrate your loved one today? See, could it be that maybe one of the reasons why the relationship has gone from really hot to really cold is because you've stopped going out of your way to appreciate and celebrate them. To so here at Thrive, we call that choosing an attitude of gratitude. It's that the idea that choosing an attitude of gratitude isn't convincing yourself that everything is great when everything's not. It's not denying reality, but instead it's training your mind to see the good, especially when we're so prone to focusing on what's not good. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 says it this way. It says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, what is it saying? Even when things aren't perfect, even when your circumstances are not ideal, even though your loved one is not perfect, there are still things you can appreciate. There are still things you can celebrate about them. And each time you make the choice to appreciate them and celebrate them in the little way, you're giving your relationship a chance to be refreshed again. That's the first key to refreshing your relationship is to appreciate and celebrate that loved one often. Turn your room and say, I want to appreciate you. I want to appreciate you. That's the first key. Write down number two. Number two is this. Check in with your loved one. Check in with your loved one. Philippians 2.19 says it this way. It says, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you're getting along see what's going on. See, Paul, he's a church planter, he's a missionary, and he's in prison for preaching the gospel. And so he's under persecution, he's in prison, he can't get out, and he longs to hear how his church at Philippi is doing, but he doesn't make any excuses. He says, oh no, I don't have social media, I can't reach him. You know, I, I'm in prison, I can't reach him. He doesn't make those kind of excuses. Instead, he finds another way to see how they're doing. He sends one of his one of the guys' his mentoring called Timothy over to the church of Philippi to say, hey, find out how they're doing and report back to me. I still want to know how they're doing. And see, there's a lesson there is that love checks in. When you love someone, you want to check in and see how they're doing. See, we're not that great at doing that, generally speaking, in Canada. We're very polite, but, you know, how many of have had this happen before? You see someone, like, as you're walking by them, hey, how's it going? And you just keep on walking. You hey, hey, how are you? And you keep on going right? And, and it's, you don't, we don't stop to wonder, okay, maybe that person has something to say about that. Maybe that person has an answer that I can't just walk by, but we just keep on going with our agenda. Hey, how's it going? See, we can do that in our closest relationships as well. It's that we can be so busy and consumed by what we're doing. So used to the person being around us that we don't really stop and ask, how are you really doing? And we just assume they're okay because they don't say otherwise. But see, here's the thing. Over time, a lack of checking in can cause a relationship to grow cold. And by not asking, how are you doing? We can actually give the other person the impression that we actually don't care about how they're doing. We actually don't care about them. We might care about the food that they serve us. We might care about the service they give, but we don't actually care about them. That's what happens when we don't check in. In fact, when we don't check in with one another, we can eventually check out of the relationship. But see, here's the thing. While a lack of checking in can cause two people to check out, a commitment to checking in can refresh a relationship. In 2020, in response to the pandemic, the University of Washington, they gathered over 30 couples that had been living together and average time living together about 10 years. They brought all these couples together and they said, okay, we're gonna do an experiment with you. And they divided them into two groups. And the first group, they said, okay, we want you to watch a movie together and you guys have spend a couple hours watching a movie, that's your thing, you're the movie group. And then they told the other group, they said, all right, for the next few weeks, I want you to check in with one another and ask each other the following questions. The questions included, what has been hard for you this week that you'd like me to understand? What did you feel closest, when did you feel closest or most distant to me this past week? Another one, is there anything you're avoiding saying or communicating to me? Another one is, what have you appreciated about me this past week? Another one is, how can you take better care of yourself? Another one is, how can I be a better partner to you? And then, is there anything else you want to tell me? About 12 questions. These are just some of them. And they asked, okay, every week, would you check in with your partner and ask these questions? Then after several weeks, they brought both groups back together. And they found this, is that the movie group's closeness over weeks didn't really change. They were just watching Netflix and just watching, it didn't really do anything for their closeness. But the checking in group, the group that asked, hey, how are you doing? And they did it week after week. They said this, is when they reported back and how they feel about the relationship, They said, you know what? Words to describe how we feel in a relationship right now grateful, connected, closer, loved, open hearted, inspired, peaceful, relieved, hopeful. One person just said, I mostly just cried. And see, here's the thing when you go out of your way to check in with your loved one, you not only show your loved one that you care and that they matter, but even more, you refresh the relationship. See, growing up, my grandfather, on my dad's side, we, we didn't have a super, super close relationship. You know, we had a cool relationship in that we both loved bananas. We loved to eat bananas. And so, you know, I'd go to his house, and he'd say to me when I go, Hey, Jimmy, where's your banana? You know, that, 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 that's, that's how we like, greet each other. That's, that's, that was our thing. Bananas was a thing. But we weren't really that close to one another in other ways. And we didn't feel like we had a whole lot in common. But, you know, many, many years ago, my grandmother passed away. And, you know, I remember we were living in Taiwan at the time. We came back for the funeral. And I remember my grandfather had never seen him so heartbroken before. And I remember leaving his house and saying to him, Hey, Gong Gong, like every month I'm going to call you. And so I went back to Taiwan and I actually kept my promise is that every week or every month I just give him a call long distance and say, Hey, Gong Gong, how are you doing? I got a chance to practice my Mandarin with him and all that stuff. And you know what happened? After just a monthly check-in, 20 minutes on a call. It's amazing how our relationship got so much closer. It's that we went from just a banana. We just went from banana buddies to being really good friends. And I'm so thankful for that time. He's not here anymore, but I'm so, so thankful that I had that time with him, that we had at least that season of our lives when we could be close together. And see, it just goes to show this, nothing replaces genuine care is that genuine care never gets old. Genuine care, when you express it sensitively, it's always relevant. It's always fresh. And see, since nothing replaces genuine care, you want to go out of your way to check in. With the one that you love. Is that find time to ask them? You know, what's what's what was the hardest part of your week? You know, what was the best part of your week? Those are that's one question you can ask your loved one. Another one, you know, how can I be a better partner or a better friend to you? Is there anything that I can do? Another one is is there anything else that you want to tell me that you haven't told me yet? And see, by the way, if your loved one asks you how you're doing, if you're in small group and they ask you, hey, how's it going? Then can I encourage you this? Don't hide what you're doing going through. Don't be someone's. Oh, I don't want to ruin the mood. I don't want to. You know, I, I don't want. I, I, I'm too embarrassed to say anything. See, of course, we got to be wise with what we share and how we share it. But that's what close relationships are for. That's what small groups is for. Don't put on a mask and just pretend everything's okay. But instead, if you, if you want the two of you to come closer, if you want a chance for that relationship to grow, you got to be real with one another. Amen. That's why we need to check in with one another. Turn to your and say, "I got to check in more." I got to check in more. Number three, number three, try new playful things with your loved one. I'm going to take a drink of water as you write that down. Try new playful things with your loved one. Psalm 96. We're going to read a bunch of different psalms, short little verses, but I think you can get the point soon enough. Psalm 96 verse one says this. It says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. That's Psalm 96 Uh, verse one. Let's look at Psalm 144, verse nine. It says, oh God, let me sing a new song to you. Let me play it on a 12 string guitar. And then keep on going. Psalm 149, verse one, it says, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the saints. And then finally, Isaiah 42, verse 10, what does it say? It says, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the ends of the earth. See, let me ask you this question. Why does the Bible over and over tell us to sing to God a new song, why? Is it because God gets bored easily? No, it's because there's a relationship principle there that you need to learn. Is that if we want our relationships to feel vibrant and fresh, whether it's a relationship with God or a relationship with others, you can't just keep singing the same old songs and doing the same old things. It's important to try new things as well. That goes for your relationship with God. That goes for your relationship with people too. Look at John 21 verse nine with me. What does it say? It says, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, "'Bring some of the fish you've just caught.'" Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. See what's going on. See, up this point, the disciples knew Jesus as the guy who teaches, the guy who heals, the guy who raises the dead, and now the guy who resurrects himself because he'd already died on the cross. He was buried and he's risen again. This is the resurrected Jesus here. So it goes to show that when Jesus rose again, he wasn't just a ghost or an apparition. It wasn't just, oh, he rose in our hearts, but he's physically alive. And see, Jesus, as he's physically alive, in this particular instance, John 21, he's not teaching. He's not healing. He's not preaching. He's not raising the dead. He's cooking breakfast. He's cooking. In fact, it's the first and only time in the Bible where you see Jesus cooking food. It reminds me of, you know, the actor Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne Johnson, you know, Fast and the Furious and you know Dwayne Johnson. If you followed Dwayne Johnson's career, you know that he started off as a wrestler called The Rock. And I don't know if you know this, but you know, he, as The Rock had this saying, he would always say in front of big crowds, you take the mic and you go, can you smell la 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 la? What The Rock? Is cooking. That's what he would say. That's what he said. And and, you know, it makes me thinking. Long before Dwayne Johnson said, "Can you smell what the rock is cooking?" Jesus, who is the rock, is cooking in John twenty-one. Can you smell it? Amen. Right. See, why is Jesus cooking? It's not because it's his job to cook. It's not because his disciples couldn't feed themselves. The only one reason why Jesus cooked on that day it was to do something new with his disciples. It was to do something a little playful, a little fun. There's more to it than that, but we're going to talk about that part right now. See, by doing something new and playful with his disciples, Jesus was refreshing the relationship with them. And see, could you imagine eating something that Jesus himself has cooked in a way, in a spiritual way? Maybe you're doing that right now. But here's the thing: what's the point? If you want to refresh your relationships, you want to try doing new, playful things together. You know, Pastor Char and I, when we first started hanging out, this is even before we started dating, but when we were just hanging out as friends, you know, all we did was play. we had, we knew each other back in high school, and we had all these friends together, and we'd just play board games like Taboo, and we'd hang out. We'd eat ice cream cake from Dairy Queen. We'd do all those things. We'd volunteer at the things that we love to do. We'd volunteer at kids camps and on worship bands, and all that was just play and a little bit of pray, but just mostly play. And and see, when, when Char and I, we first started to date, so much of what we did, in fact, so much of what we did was play. You know, we'd be doing long distance. I'd go to to Boston to see Charlene, and, and she'd take me to these different places in Boston, her favorite places, and go. Oh, can I take you to the Charles River? Oh, it's so beautiful, it's so nice. I, well, this is like February, and so she takes me to the Charles River. It's frozen. I'm like, really, you're taking me here? But it was fun. It was because it was an adventure. Every day felt like an adventure together. We'd go dancing at certain places. We'd go to movies, and Pastor Char wouldn't fall asleep. It was amazing. It was just, it was amazing. And see, when when we were and then when we got married, you know, there was so much play that was involved. You know, other than the obvious play, there was, you know, there was throwing a Frisbee together, right? There was Scrabble, there was Blockus, we did do vacations together. So much of what we did was play, and every moment felt like we were just having an adventure together. But then what happens? Over time, in marriage, you have some stuff you need to take care of. You've got jobs, you've got work, you've got a mortgage to pay, you've got kids to take care of. In our case, we have a church to plant, and guess what happened? Over time, play, the priority of play starts to go down, 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 and maybe you can relate to that. Is that when you first started that relationship, it was so much about play. Oh, let's go biking around the seawall. You know, let's go watch a movie. Let's go for dinner, for coffee. Let's play a board game. Let's flirt with one another a little. You know, it was all play. But then, relate, but then somehow along the line, it stops being so much about play and it starts to feel more like work. And see, here's the thing. Relationships often start off as play, but then end up as work. Now, is it true that relationships take work? Absolutely. But let me tell you this. Don't forget to keep on playing together. See, here's the thing. Char and I nowadays we try to prioritize play. Is that once a week we'll have a date, we'll go check out a new restaurant, you know, just the two of us. And you know, we try to keep play a priority in our lives, not because we're immature, but because it's healthy for our relationship. You know, in fact, here's Gloria Lee Young, Dr. Gloria Lee. I'm sorry, she uh, you know is a psychiatrist and a counselor. Uh, she's the author of a really good book on relationships, and this is what she read. just writes about play uh, after counseling so many couples, hundreds hundreds. hundreds and hundreds of couples over the past 25 years, this is what she writes about play. She says this, play is an essential way to deepen our bond. It involves doing something fun, unproductive, and voluntary. We can think of play as something that we don't have to do, but want to do. We lose track of time, and we're completely immersed in the moment. We become childlike. Couples who lack play in their life are more stressed, anxious, lonely, and depressed. Moreover, when couples stop playing and enjoying each other, their relationship becomes dull, lifeless, and boring. Often, this This is when the grass looks greener on the other side and affairs develop. On the contrary, she says, couples who play together stay together. Partners come alive and are excited about spending time together. Their right brains, i.e. their emotional creative side, become attuned with each other. Safety and security are fostered. Couples cope better with stress and resolve conflict more effectively. Empathy also increases. Partners become that new couple again. You want to know a way to refresh your relationship? One way is to do new and playful things together. And see, here's the thing. Last week I was going to my parents' house, and, uh, you know, I saw my parents doing something that I've never seen them do before. I was shocked. Uh, uh, I saw them in the living room and they were doing something very sweet together. Uh, you know, In fact, I don't know if you know this, but music was what brought my parents together. My, my dad, he was the choir conductor at a church. My mom was the choir pianist. One day they decided to do music, to play beautiful music together and I'm the result of that beautiful music. And, and see, you know, playing music on that day was what I saw. Them. Not that kind of music, but you know, real kind of music. And, and they're, they're, they're doing that music together, and, but then they're doing it in a way that i would never seen them do before because I've seen them play music before, but here, my mom is on the piano, and she's playing this beautiful piece, and my dad is on an instrument that I've never seen him use before. It's called a keytar, not a guitar, a keytar. It's one of those, you know, 1980s, kind of hokey looking, it's a guitar, but it got, doesn't have strings, it's got a keyboard instead, punk rock hair, that's a, that's my dad, you know, and, and so, and, and so, he, he and they're, they're playing the song together, I'm like, oh, that's really sweet, I even took a picture of it, it was really, really cool, and it just made me think, man, it's cool that after all these years, after. 45 years of marriage, they're still playing together. Amen? Amen. And, you know, maybe one day we'll get them to play the guitar here at Thrive Church Online, but here's the thing. See, here's just as the best athletes, the best artists, the best business people, the best leaders learn to adapt as time goes by, so I find this, is that the best lovers of people learn to adapt and find new creative ways to connect with their loved one so that their relationship can be refreshed. Oh, but JB, you know, I'm not a creative person. I'm not a playful person. I'm boring. You know, maybe maybe that's you and you're like, oh, what? I don't, I don't have any ideas. I don't know what to do. Well, here's a couple tips. Number one, ask other people what they do for fun. In your small groups, ask them. Hey, what do you guys do for fun? And maybe if they've got no answers, then maybe they're just as boring as you are. But you just you 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 want to ask them, ask and find out. But another another thing we do is because you get you get. You get ideas from asking people. Here's another one, is that we're doing this right now during this series called The Art of Healthy Relating. It's called Crush Cabin Fever. It's our little bingo challenge card. You can get it from our Facebook community page for Thrive Church, and we're gonna be announcing the winner on March the 13th, 2022. It's where you and your loved one, could be your spouse, your kid, your small group, whatever it might be, your friend, you guys go and do a bunch of things together under different categories, and you submit your Cabin Fever card, and on March the 13th, we're going to announce the winner of a draw. It's a $50 Amazon gift card, right? Woo. Yes. Praise God for Amazon. And see, here's the thing. Even if you don't win the prize, guess what? You would have won just by trying to do something new and playful with your loved one. Amen. Because if you want to refresh your relationship, it all is one of the huge keys to it is do new and playful things together. Turn your neighbor and say, don't forget to play don't forget to play. Some of you have forgotten to play. It's time to bring play back into your life. Number four, and we're going to close with this one. Keep learning about your loved one. Keep learning about your loved one. So I want you to think about that relationship in your life that has gone cold and think about how you guys first started. See, very likely when you guys first hit it off, when you first fell in love, when you first started getting to know each other, when you first started becoming really good friends, when you first started, you were really honestly interested in one another, is that you were driven by a curiosity about that person, where there was more that you didn't know about them than you did know, and so you would do everything you could to find out more about them. If they had social media at the time, you were all over social media. You're trying to find out every picture, every favorite thing they have, every pet peeve of theirs, what they like, what they don't like, and when you're with them, you're asking, what do you think of this? What's your view on this? How do you see this? Because you're just really interested in what they think, and how they operate, and who they are. You're interested in them. You want to learn as much about them as you can. But then what happens? Over time, as the friendship continues, the marriage goes on, guess what happens? Once you get to know them a little bit, we fall into the trap of assuming there's nothing more to learn about you. There's nothing more to learn. There's nothing more to know. We stop being curious. And I want to illustrate it this way right now. I'm going to ask Hannes, uh, our guitarist here, to to come up. Can you give Hannes a big hand right now? (laughs) All right. See, what we often do when it comes to relationships is this, is that after a while we get used to one another and we think we know everything there is to know about them and so we put them in a box. (laughs) You put them in a box. And we think, I already know everything there is to know about this person. There's nothing else to learn. There's no need to be curious. I just know who this person is. I've got them figured out. And, you know, with every box often comes a label. We often put labels on them. You know, oh, yeah, they're just the super spiritual one. They're always so spiritual. They're all about the Bible. Don't talk to them about anything practical. They're all about the Bible. You know, oh, oh they're, the, they're the super serious one. They can never take a joke. You know, that, that's just them. They just never take a joke. Oh, no, they're the super funny one. They're the clown, but they can never Ever take anything seriously? Oh, they're the spoiled one, you know. They—they're—they're. They're intel- I'm not, not talking about Hannah's. We're just—we're just, This is just. These, these are just. These are just examples, right? And, and, but there's the thing: is that we put them in a box. And what happens when we put them in a box is not only do we limit them, but we limit the relationship between us. Such that no, over time we stop having a relationship with a real person, and more and more we're just relating to a box. But I'm here to tell you today, your loved one is not a box and your loved one wasn't made to live in a box. Your loved one is a real person that you still need to get to know. Amen. Amen. And so that's why he got a big amen from him too. And see, here's the thing is that if you want to refresh your relationships, you got to take off the box. You got to take off the box. You got to realize You are someone that I'm still getting to know. You are someone that I still don't know fully, and I want to get to know you more. Can we give Hannah's a big hand right now? (laughs) Praise God for him. And see, maybe that's you. Maybe without trying, you have put your loved one in a box and you've stopped relating to them as if they're someone you need to get to know better. You just relate to them as if you've got them already figured out. And I'm here to let you know today, you're limiting not just them, you're limiting your relationship. No wonder it's cold. Because here's the thing, you were made for a relationship with a real person, and you will. there's always more things to discover about them. Maybe you're so good at boxing people in that if boxing was an Olympic sport, you get the gold medal. You're just like, I'm so good at boxing people in. But see, here's the thing, is if you want to refresh your relationship, believe there's more to your loved one than you already know. Because the fact is there is more. You might know a lot, but you don't know everything. And realize that there's more to learn, there's more to discover. Not in a private investigator kind of way where I'm gonna find out everything about you so I can trap you, I can attack you, I can hold you down. No, but it's about what can I know more about you so I can understand you better and celebrate you more. It's time to take off the box. Turn in and say, take off the box take off the box. It's time to change your attitude. Believe there's more to that person than you already know, and make it your goal as their loved one to discover it and celebrate it. Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. This is Paul talking to the church in Ephesus, and he's saying this. He's saying, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. See, what's Paul saying? See, Paul's saying, hey, he's talking to his, the, these, these Christians in Ephesus who've been Christians for probably a while now. And he's saying, you know what? There's so much more about God that you don't yet know. Don't put God in a box. He, and he's not just saying it to himself, he actually applies that same principle to himself, too. Look at Philippians chapter three. He says this in Philippians 3:10. Paul saying that my goal is that I may know him that's Jesus, and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. In other words, what's Paul saying? He's saying, hey, as far as I've come in my relationship with God, I'm a pastor, I'm a church planner, I'm a missionary, I've led other people to Jesus. I don't even know who Jesus is the way I should yet. There's so much more to know, and I'm intent discovering who that is. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. He's saying, God is not just a God I serve. He's not a product I sell. He's not just a master that I am accountable to, but he is my friend, my father, and I want to know him more. Paul's taking off the box. And see, in the same way, if you want to refresh your relationships, take off the box. Be curious about the loved one that is in your life and make it your goal to get to know them more don't put your loved one in the box but stay curious about them realizing there's so much more to your loved one than you already know you know finally speaking of jesus you're going to find that in the end if you want to refresh your relationships it actually doesn't begin with you it all begins with god because jesus he is the giver of every good gift And I believe that those relationships in your life that you've committed your life to, that many of those things are good gifts that God gave. And if you want to refresh it, you can't do it on your own. Is that you need Jesus in your life. In fact, Acts 3.19 says it this way. It's the last verse for today. Read it with me. It says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You know where times of refreshing come from? They come from the Lord. They come from the God from whom all good things come. And I'm here to tell you today is that if you really want your relationships with people to be refreshed, it begins not with how you treat them. It begins with your relationship with God because you can't give what you don't have. But the beautiful thing about the gospel, about the Bible message is this, is that when we had no way of reaching God, had no clue how to get to God, when we couldn't reach God because of our sin, when each one of us had turned our own way and run away from God, separated ourselves from God, God did something to reach for us. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so our sins could be wiped out, so that nothing could separate us from his love anymore. And not only did Jesus die on the cross for our sins, but to show that you could trust every word that Jesus says, Jesus did the most incredible thing. He rose again from the grave to show that in Jesus Christ, there is a hope that is stronger than death, that when you die, you don't leave home, you go home, that when you die, it's not the end, it's actually just the beginning, and it's a relationship of hope that you have that is forever, and when you have that, then you've got resurrection power living on the inside of you by the power of God's Holy Spirit that flows into your other relationships as well. And so if you realize you need that, if you've never opened up your heart and asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, if all this time you just think you've been relying on, oh, I think I'm a good person, I think you know I've done more good things than that, then guess what? There's another way to do it, and that is God has made Jesus Christ and his forgiveness available to you for free as a gift that you can receive. And if you've never opened up your heart to receive that gift, if you wanna ask Jesus Christ to come and to be the one who refreshes you. Your relationship with God and gives you a real relationship with God, then it all begins here by praying a simple prayer. And I want to lead you in that prayer, if you would. What you can do, you can you know click the link that's in your in your chat room. You can scan the QR code that's on your screen. And there's just a simple prayer that's going to appear on another page. You're still going to listen to me, but there's that prayer is going to appear. And if you would just do this with me, is we're just gonna read this prayer together as a simple way to ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins. If you prayed this prayer before, I encourage you to pray it with those who are praying for the first time in support of them today. And let's pray this together. If that's you, don't hesitate. Why don't you click that link? Why don't you scan that QR code? And let's pray this very important prayer together to ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins. Let's do that together right now. You can pray this with me right now. Say, Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. Thank you, Thank you. That, because you love me, that because you love me, you died on the cross, died on the cross to, pay for, my to sins. pay for my sins. You rose again, you rose again to, give me life. to give me life. Today, Today I, open heart, I open up my heart and I ask you, and I ask you please forgive me please forgive of, all my sins, of all my sins and please fill me, please fill me with your Holy Spirit.
1: With I place
0: my trust, I
1: place my trust not, in what I do, not in what I do, but
0: in what you've done for me.
1: In, what you've done for
0: me. in Jesus' name I pray,
1: in Jesus name I pray.
0: Amen. amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that prayer, then the Bible says you are forgiven of your sins. It's that simple. You're a child of God. It's that simple. It's not by our works. It's by faith in Jesus, by what he's done in the cross. And if that's you, a huge congratulations to you. We encourage you to do a couple things. Number one is that we encourage you to keep coming to church. Uh, every baby needs a, a, a spiritual family to belong to. We'd love to be your spiritual family. On top of that, we encourage you to get baptized. Baptism is not you saying, oh, I've been to church all my life and I've got no more questions and I'm so committed to Jesus. It's not. That's not baptism. Baptism is saying, I know I'm a sinner who needs a Savior and I thank Jesus for dying on the cross for me. And if that's you, you made that decision just now, you can get baptized. You can go to mythrob.info, press the baptism baptism button. For more information on that, we'd love to set you up for our next baptism service on March the 13th. But it is so good to have you here. On top of that, if you go to the bottom of that page with that prayer on it, some gifts to give to you to congratulations. In fact, can we give a big congratulations to all our friends who prayed that prayer today?
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Thrive Church. We're so glad that you're here. My name is Marizal and I will spend a few minutes to go through some announcements of you and what's coming up here at Thrive. If this is your first time visiting us, we would love to connect with you. We want to give you a Thrive stainless steel water bottle to thank you for spending your time with us. Simply visit mythrive.info and click new to Thrive or text new to 604-285-570. We will mail the water bottle straight to your mailing address. If you pray the prayer to receive Jesus into your life today, a big congratulations to you. We want to send you a series of videos recorded by Pastor JB and Pastor Charlene that may answer some of your questions about Christianity. We also have a beautiful Thrive mug and a Starbucks e-gift card just for you. So if you've received Jesus today, let us know by texting BELIEVE to 604-285-5770 or by visiting mythrive.info and click I want to ask Jesus into my life. We will mail the gift package to you as soon as possible. Baptism is your immediate next step after you receive Jesus into your life. During COVID-19 season, getting baptized might look a little bit different than usual, but we are committed to helping you have a great baptism experience that is also safe for everyone involved. Our next baptism is happening on Sunday, March 13. If you're interested in getting baptized or want to learn more about baptism, simply visit mythrive.info. At Thrive, we often say much prayer, much power, little prayer, little power, no prayer, no power. If you miss the in-person gatherings and if you want to experience more of God's power working in your life and our church, we want to invite you to join us for the Night of Prayer and Praise happening on Friday, March 4th at 8.30 p.m. at Le Place by the Aberdeen Skytrain Station. Please note that childcare will be provided for children aged 3 to 12. The children will be watching a movie called The Star. For more information and pre-registration, please visit mythrive.info. Last but not least, we want to encourage you to be part of a small group. In a small group, you can share your joys and struggles. You can encourage others and be encouraged. You can also hang out and have fun together. It's a perfect way to get connected here at Thrive. Signing up for a small group is very easy. Simply visit mythrive.info and click join a small group. Let's experience life together. That is all for the announcements this week. Don't forget to give your tithes and offerings online at mythrive.info. Have a wonderful family day long weekend. We look forward to seeing you again next Sunday here at Thrive Church online at 9.30am and 11.30am. Stay blessed.